Well, good morning. Welcome again to South Suburban Christian Church's online worship service. You'll notice that things are a little bit different as well as the folks who are here. Uh, most of you know Pastor Joe, who is our Care and Connections pastor here. And uh, we want to uh, show you a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes as we look for ways to resource you and uh, with our Zoom Bible studies, our podcasts. And this is some of the, the set work that we're doing behind the scenes. We're not going to do our messages like this every Sunday, but we thought it would be fun to just share it with you today, and Pastor Joe and I would come to you this morning. You know, if uh, you have uh, been paying attention to our social media and our communications uh, coming out of our church, you'll know that uh, we've been uh, trying to figure out how we're going to go forward in this new season. Um, our governor here in Colorado uh, has told us that uh, we probably will be able to gather in groups of 10 to 15 uh, sometime in May, maybe 25 to 50 by the end of summer. Uh, if the infection rates stay steady, maybe 100 in the fall, but probably won't be over 100 until an effective treatment or a vaccine is discovered. We think that this means that the church is probably going to change, especially when other sources have told us that this could go 10, 18, maybe even 24 months. And uh, that, go ahead, take a moment. You might need a moment to just kind of catch your breath after that. This means that the church will probably look a lot different. Some have said that this could literally change what the church looks like for decades, if not centuries. That means the decisions we make today could really influence how our children do, how our grandchildren do church. We've been talking about that here at South Sub, and Pastor Joe and I want to share with you a little bit about that today particularly as we continue in this series in Acts and Acts chapter 2, because I think we can see in Acts chapter 2, the model of the first century church, how we also can be effective in following the Spirit's guidance and being the church to the world. Hey, this is from Acts chapter 2. If I could ask you guys to grab your Bible, Acts chapter 2. We've been in Acts uh, um, for the last couple, three weeks, and uh, we're going to pick it up from Acts 2, verse 42. This is God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they are the newly converted um, followers of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Uh, Pastor Joe and I want to share with you today uh, about uh, four practices that were really important in the first century church. The, the practice of instruction in the apostles' teaching, uh, fellowship, uh, breaking of bread, and uh, the prayers. And we're actually going to mix them up a little bit. We don't want to be legalists in terms of their order. And I'm, I'm going to share with you a little bit about the apostles' teachings and about the breaking of bread, and Pastor Joe is going to share a little bit about fellowship and prayer. Um, Luke is writing uh, the book of Acts uh, sometime after Paul's arrest uh, that, uh, where, where he's taken to Rome but not uh, after Paul's martyrdom or when he was executed. So a lot has happened 
uh, when Luke started to write the book of Acts. And uh, Paul's written his letters, uh, the epistles in the New Testament. Peter, James, and John uh, are, have either written or are writing uh, their letters. And so when we think about the apostles' teachings, we think about the teachings of those 12 people who were the apostles. Uh, apostles are people who are sent out. It is specifically uh, those disciples who were chosen by Jesus to continue his work in the proclamation of the good news of Jesus Christ. When you think about the apostles' teachings, I don't know, what, what do you think of? What do you think of, Pastor Joe? I mean, the stories. I mean, obviously the stories. And I'm thinking, um, if you and I were walking along the street with Peter or James or John, you know, what would they be telling us? Hey, you, you need to know this story. And I know you've got some stories to share. Well, some of the things that I think are really important here in the book of Acts is as well, we're, we're in the midst of this sermon that Peter's preaching. Yes. And Peter has spent uh, the bulk of his sermon talking about how death could not keep Jesus down that Jesus is the Messiah because he overcame death. Uh, in a few chapters, in Acts chapter 7, we're going to hear about Stephen. Yes. And yes. Stephen's going to preach a sermon uh, about how uh, the stories of the Old Testament, the, 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 the figures Abraham and, and Joseph, his, his being taken to Egypt, Moses and leading the people out of bondage, how all of these are a prelude to the coming of Jesus. Uh, a little bit later, I think it's in Acts chapter 9, we're going to hear about um, uh, Stephen. Um, no, not Stephen. I just said Stephen, didn't I? Philip, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. <laughs> you saw how that Philip, in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> how Philip uh, opened the book of Isaiah and proclaimed the truth of the coming Messiah and that that Messiah is Jesus to the eunuch. Um, but I also think that the disciples simply told the stories yes. of their time with Jesus. Yes, yes. The, their, their time when, when they watched Jesus deal with a woman called an adultery. Yes. And how the crowd wanted to stone her. And Jesus said, the one without sin, cast the, the first, first stone. stone. Yes. The crowd yes. leaves and Jesus says to the woman, where are those that condemn you? If there's no one here to condemn you, then I neither condemn yes. you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Yes. Well, for, for me, it would be um, walking with Peter. And I think Peter would say, you really want to follow this Jesus? You really want to follow this Jesus? This is what Jesus taught me. Um, Jesus said, you love me, feed my lambs, mm -hmm. take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. um, I love Peter, impetuous, impulsive Peter. And, and then John, um, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, I, I'm thinking um, if we were with John, John would say, you see that woman over there? Jesus was not only my rabbi, my teacher, but he was a best friend. He told me to take care of his mom. From the cross, he told me to take care of his mom. Um, I think they would have told the story of when Jesus is teaching in a house and a bunch of people got up on the roof yes. and started ripping a yes. hole in the roof yes. to lower a man who was paralyzed from birth because they knew Jesus could heal that man. Yes, yes. What about the feeding of the 5,000 with the little boy's lunch? I mean, they feed everybody and the disciples are saying, tell them to get, go back to town. And Jesus says, no, we're going to take care of them right here, right now. Oh, what about the leper? who had lived his entire life being told that he couldn't be around anybody. He had to, when he came to a crowd, he'd have to shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. Never felt the embrace of family or friends. Wasn't allowed to go to synagogue or the temple, but he had the boldness to go up to Jesus and yes. say to Jesus, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, 
I want to. Yes, yes. Or how about the storm? Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. The disciples are panicking for their lives. And, and um, they wake up Jesus and Jesus tells the, the disciples first, calm down. And then he tells the storm and both are calm. I mean, amazing. We both grew up near the water. We know the power of a storm on open water. Uh, and I think when, when Peter is, was, is, uh, finished this sermon and we see in Acts chapter 2 where Luke is saying, and this is the impact that these stories had on people's lives. You probably were listening to Pastor Joe and I recount some of our favorite stories with Jesus, and you might have said to yourself, you know what, that story's not all that different from my story. Yes, yes. I have been in that kind of situation yes. in my life where I would have ripped a roof off yes. in order to have hope and healing, where I would have violated customs in order to meet Jesus, yes. where I would have risked anything for Jesus to tell me, I'm forgiven. Yes. To hear those words from Jesus. To hear those words. Or from somebody else that we wronged. Yes. And, and maybe even thinking about those who are desperately wanting to hear those words from us. Yes. That we forgive them. Yeah. Or a parent or a child that needs to hear those words. Mm -hmm. Needs the grace of those words that we struggle with. Even if they have gone to the other side of heaven, we mm -hmm. need to hear some of those words. Yeah. Last week, we were talking about the Holy Spirit. This, this series is about the Holy Spirit. And we talked about the Spirit as Sophia, or, or wisdom, that the Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us, who opens our minds to the truth of Scripture, who confirms uh, the Scriptures in our own minds. You know, sometimes we think that if we want to share the gospel with people, that we have to be able to articulate great apologetic truths or, or be able to debate and argue with those who are adamantly opposed uh, to the Christian faith. That's not the model of Scripture. The model of Scripture is telling the story of Jesus. Yes. That's the apostles' teachings. Right. Finding ways where your story and Jesus' story come together. No, I, well, one of, my, one of my favorite stories is the Doubting Thomas story. I mean, if, if we were going to um, write this and clean it up, we would have taken the Doubting Thomas story <laughs> out. Um, and even before the Doubting Thomas story, when, Jesus said, when Thomas said, I got to see his hands, I got to put my, my hand in his side, um, Jesus was beginning to tell the disciples how it was going to play out. And, and uh, in fact, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's saying, no way, no way. And then Jesus says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for, for you. And if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'm coming back for you. You know the way. And this is my favorite Thomas line. Thomas is Thomas as real as real can be. Thomas says, Lord Jesus, we don't have a clue what you're talking about. What are you talking about? And then Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I love that. I love that text. This is the apostles' teachings. Yes. This is the, the, it's not something that you need to go to graduate school or seminary right. to know. Yes. They're given to us in Scripture. Our minds are open to them by the Holy Spirit. The next uh, word that's in that text is that they also were devoted to fellowship. Yes. Now, that's a real highfalutin word. What's that mean? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, to, to me, fellowship, um, strip away all of the church words that we can use. It is about connect, connections. It's about relationships. It's about being real. Uh, it's about being vulnerable. Um, and, and I'm learning. I, I have learned it, it, during this time, there's one thing about coming together. There's another thing about connecting. And, and connecting, part of my title, um, I, I used to be called just the care pastor, but now it's caring connections. And we struggle with that because you wanted me to just be connected. And I, I, I said, you know, for me, 
I, I, the people have to know that I care to really make connections. And I, and I think there's some truth to that. Um, but, but for me... Well, can I interrupt you? Yes, go ahead. The same thing is true with teaching. And I, yes. I think probably part of what I do a lot of is teaching. Yes. And I remember an old preacher once said, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you, you care. care. Yes. Thank um, you for, yeah. for keeping that forefront in our community. Um, you know, one of the things uh, that I've learned is um, sh about shared stories. And, and um, I know you're going to touch on it in, in some of your message, but about I, I've got a story, you've got a story, and then there's God's story. And where those three stories overlap, you know, I really think that's where we begin to do church. And, and, and it's not just the, the stories of joy. It's also the painful and the, and the, and the, and the struggles. The, um, I believe fellowship really happens, real fellowship when we're honest and real and vulnerable and raw. And I, I, we started to, as we started to unpack this just the other day, um, uh, you know, we shared some stories on Good Friday. Mm -hmm. and, and those were not those were not happy yippy skippy stories they were real stories we asked people from our church to share honestly raw um, what these stories, what, what God's story meant to their story. Uh, and these were stories about addiction and breast cancer, unexpected phone calls that change people's lives, unexpected pregnancies that change your life, um, struggles with faith. For, for the better. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> struggles with faith in the midst of pain, loss of job, loss of dreams because of anxiety and, and depression. Real stories from real people and, and as real and as vulnerable as they could be. And there's something about um, how, we, how we connect when people are real. One of, one of my favorite scriptures, um, it may be my favorite scripture from Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, my grace is, as Paul is saying, I got a thorn in my side. Lord, I would be a better preacher. I'd be a better tent maker if you could pull that thorn out of my side. And, and the word from God says, my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And, and somehow we want to be, uh, I, I sometimes want to be the guy with no chinks in their armor. I want to I look well coiffed, you know, with my hair growing longer. I look like, I don't know if you remember the red skeleton skid. used to do these two seagulls and my hair kind of puffs out. And, you know, I, I, I don't look, um, I'm not as polished as I would like to be. That, that was my dad's. <laughs> well, it was, it was, I was young, but it was, it was my era too. Um, and we talked about the t-shirt. I, I think as we're learning how to do church, how to connect with church outside of the building, um, you know, it's been exciting. And you've challenged me. You've challenged us as a church. You know, let's make sure we take care of our people, but we also got to make sure we take care of the community. And, and you have challenged us. Hey, there's a hospital right down the road. Take care of Littleton Hospital. And we've, we've fed them meals. We've brought them donuts. We've brought PPE to them. Um, but also we've, you know, we had a couple of food drives that were, we were blown away by the success. And it was only God breathed, the spirit of God breathing um, uh, onto those events that we were successful. But two great food drives that you guys, you church, um, helped us pull off. Um, and, and the community. And the community. I mean, Our second uh, food drive, I think we probably had as much, if not more folks from the community. Than yeah, no, that, that, that was powerful. North Littleton Promise, we, we've made connections with uh, Mount Air Christian Church up in Lakewood. We've made connections with some folks that, I, you know, I, I knew their names, but now I know these people. I've, I've connected. We, our stories have connected with their story, and I think we've embraced God's story, and it's been powerful. P um, Pastor Joe and I have also talked about this a little bit uh, before we did this yes. right now. Yes. And one of the things that we're really hopeful for is, is it, it, we, we have been blessed by God to be able to have these relationships. Our hope is, is that these relationships, someday this COVID thing is going to end. Our hope is, is that these relationships will continue. Yes. Yes. This is God's giving us, taking this horrible thing and giving us the opportunity to build relationships that will have long-term impact for the sake of his glory and the strength of this community. 
But just on that, and this is not very holy, on Monday nights we meet in my neighbor Jerry's um, driveway and uh, you bring your uh, drinks and there, there's kids that come and, and we just have fellowship. And, and six feet apart. Six feet apart, uh, social distancing uh, approved, but we, we meet in, in his driveway and we have conversation, deep conversations. And, and one of our neighbors just moved in uh, a, little, a little over a year ago and we didn't really know them. We've gotten to, to know them. And as we were wrapping up this past Monday night, um, Gabe, one of our neighbors who's got two little kids that are just adorable, he said, we're going to keep doing this. Even when this is over, we're going to keep doing Amen. this, right? And, and to, to me, we have, on Monday nights at five o'clock, we do church in Jerry's driveway because we talk about mm. concerns. We talk about loss of jobs. We talk about our kids. We talk about struggles. Um, it's, it's real stuff. Connections happening because of the coronavirus. And go ahead. Well, just in the first few months that I was here, a little over a year ago, you were leading a Bible study. Yes. And I, I attended and you challenged us to get to know our neighbors. And as is the case in this metropolitan area, you can go years and never know who your neighbor is. And if it hadn't have been for you challenging us to go learn the names of your neighbors. And, and in this season, uh, we have a 100-day challenge from all of the staff. You can go to our website, southsburman.com slash 100-day challenge. Mine is a prayer walk, a one-mile prayer walk, uh, which really piggybacks on what you had challenged us over a year ago. And I can't believe the opportunities that the Spirit leads yes. us to meet people who are desperate for human connection, who want to, to be able to have a conversation and to be able to cover those folks with prayer. They don't need to know that we're praying. Yes. Uh, God just needs to know. Yes. This fellowship that God is calling us into is going beyond the walls of this church building. Yes. You know, one of my, there's a, there's a line from the movie, um, The Green Book, that says, the world is full of lonely people, afraid to take the first step. Mm -hmm. And, and the, I believe this coronavirus has forced us out of our comfort zone. It's forced me out of my comfort zone. I, the, the last thing I want to do every week is talk to this camera, talk to these microphones. It, it is way outside of my comfort zone. But God is saying, um, you know what, take the step. Take the step. You can do this. You can do this. My wife told me I could do this. So if, if she says it, I know I can do it. So I'm um, pretty sure you're going to have your own talk show once it's all over. Hardly. Hardly. Um, Jesus talks about us being light in this world. Um, he talks about, you know, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Mm -hmm. That you, you don't light a, a lamp in the house and put it under a bushel basket. Um, Jesus' challenge to us is from Matthew's Gospel. Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. It's not about us. It's about giving glory to God. And that's what I've seen our church family rally around. Some of the things that we're trying to do, not just in our church, taking care of our church, but outside of it as well. And a tangible way to do this, a practical, pragmatic way. Yes. I was out walking. There was a, uh, a, a woman sitting on her front step. You, you didn't need to be a psychologist to see that she was struggling. And I just stopped and said, how are you? You doing okay? And she didn't know who I was. I didn't know who she was. And for like the next 10 minutes, she told me how she was. Yes. And I just listened. Yes. And, uh, you know, I had a, in my spirit, I, do I ask her if I can pray for her? And I wasn't sure about that. So what I said is, is I hope that you won't mind that I'll be praying for you. Yes. And she's like, thank you. Those moments of desperation uh, is what we're experiencing. The same desperation that those folks had when they ripped the roof off, yes. when the leper was willing to violate uh, protocol to get to Jesus. Um, fellowship, you might be asking yourself, how do I start? Just simply stop and talk to a neighbor. But I don't like that. It's hard for me. Get over it. 
Well, and, and I think some of the opening questions can be, I, I am the worst at small talk. I mean, I, um, I mean, a lot of folks think I'm an extrovert, but I, I mean, I am a closet recluse and I am in, in, if you had seen me in elementary school and high school, I was the shyest kid in the world. Um, God has forced me out of that a little bit, but, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the best at small talk, but, but I can ask questions and I yes. can ask them, you know, what's been, what's been the hardest thing for you during this time? And, and what's been the blessing for you during this time? What's been something that you, you, you won't want to change once this goes back to normal, if you will? And you, you're a good listener. Say again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you ask a question, you're not waiting for an opportunity for you to talk again. You're actually listening. And you cannot imagine how affirming it is yes. for folks to just be listened to. Yes. And yes. You, that, that is a strength of yours and a thank, gift. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I've been reading this book by Brene Brown called Braving the Wilderness. And she talks about the importance of human connection in both moments of collective joy and collective pain. When we, um, last Sunday after church, we met here in the parking lot at noon mm. and we had 10 people. We, we formed a parade. Uh, I think we called it the joy ride or the joy parade, but maybe someone who is a part of it said, maybe it should be called Love on Wheels. Mm. We visited 10 different homes. And, and one of the women that we visited, she, she is um, a widow. And um, as we drove by, we gave them some flowers. We gave them some cookies, honked horns, waved noodles out the car door. She, she wrote back to us and said, you made me feel important. Mm. You made me feel like I mattered. Mm -hmm. and, and I think um, if, we, if we do that again, and I, and I know people wanna, wanna do that some more, um, I, I can't wait because um, it, was, it, was, it was a big deal. And I think this early church, um, you know, it was not just the, 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 uh, the talent of the apostles, it was the Spirit of God breathed over yes. them and into them and amazing things happened. What we experienced on Sunday afternoon was, was, was in my words, good church. And, and I think good church is when we get out of the way and allow God to do God's thing. And we, we, were, we were at the end of the line, and uh, my son, who's 11 years old, saw Pastor Joe get out of, uh, getting out of his car and running to each house to, to appropriately distanced, giving them the flowers. I, I'm not sure if we measured it, but well, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was For close. the sake of publicity yeah, yeah. here. It was six feet six exactly. Feet. But, but my son said, he said, what is he giving him? I said, he's giving him flowers. He said, I think people would prefer ice cream. <laughs> and, and we busted out this. laughing. Yes. And he said, yeah, I think the church could, could buy an ice cream truck. I bet people would be interested then. So yes. just, I want to put that in your, in your pocket to think about. Okay, I, I love the idea. Um, just, you know, we, we talk about collective joy, but also collective pain and, and struggle. Um, my, my intern supervisor, when I was a newly wet behind the ears pastor, uh, I interned at a church in Damascus, Maryland, not too far from, from uh, where you've done church before. Uh, pastor Ray was his name, and, and he taught me about what it means to come together as a community when, when there's a death in, in the family, in the church family. And it was the expectation from Pastor Way was that if you're part of this family, you're going to the funeral, whether you know the person or not. And, and as, as tough as funerals can be, as tough as it is to go up to someone that you don't even know and say, I'm so sorry, it, it is important. And not only for the family that loses a loved one, but collectively, we, we somehow grieving together um, eases some of the pain. Doesn't mm -hmm. take it away, but it, 
it, it, it, it shares with people that, mm-hmm. that you're in this with them, that you're present. And mm-hmm. I, w- one of my dreams, my hopes in, in this place, when we grieve, when we struggle, when we, when we have celebration of life services in this place, that will, that will all come together. That the, mm-hmm. every service, every celebration of life service will be packed to the gills. Um, and, and, I, and I think God challenges us to show up when it's hard. And, and sometimes, you know, to go to a funeral, especially a tragic funeral, it is really hard. And, and everybody that muscles their way through the door, I mean, it is, it is there because um, they, they know they need to be there to, to support that person. And, and, I, um, and, I, and I know it's hard. And I, I know at, at times we really stink at walking with someone in grief. And, and sometimes we can say things not because we don't care, but because we don't know what to say. And it can be really hurtful. And I um, just want to lift up the people that might be grieving right now and, and just say that we, we want to walk with you and we want to love you. We want to care for you. Um, mm-hmm. I want to transition, if I could, to, to, to prayer. Um, and, and I want to, um, we're coming up on the one year anniversary of the STEM school shooting. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I remember the day and it was, um, I want to say it was May 7th and we were in your office when we got word, I think it was from my wife, my wife texted me and said, there's been a shooting at the STEM school in Highlands Ranch. Um, you guys should go down there. And I, I don't know who said it first, but, but I know I said, um, um, I'm, you know, we should go. But I said, I, I, I don't want to go. But we got in my car and we drove down there and we jumped into that. Um, I remembered. You said, I don't want to go. And I said, I don't either. <laughs> and then together we said, let's go. Let's go. Um, but it, it, was, it was hard going into that, that, that group of people that were grieving. And mm-hmm. I remember p- we had a park across the street. We walked across to, to Northridge Rec Center, parked across at Christ Lutheran Church, walked across. And, and we're saying, okay, I guess we divide now and go. And we jumped into the mess. We asked people if we could pray with them. Um, you know, I, I, I still remember the picture of you circling up with those folks, the picture of me circling up with folks. Mm-hmm. And it was powerful. There's no way that we were prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Just the, I think the Spirit of God said, jump in, help where you can. And uh, I mean, I, I still get um, a gut check, a kick in the gut when I think about that day, because was, there was nothing easy about stepping into that. That, that room full of people, w- not knowing whether their, their kids had been hurt or, or killed or, or any of it. I mean, the, the news was wild at the time. And I, I just remember how powerful it was, but the Spirit of God was there as well. And that was you know, a powerful time for us just to be together to walk through that. I re- <clears throat> I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I remember seeing a group of cops yes. circled up over to the side. And you know how folks who aren't cops, yes. they don't want to go where cops are. Yes. <laughs> and so I decided to go where the cops were. Yes. And uh, a bunch of rough and tough men and women who you know were uniformed and, and on edge. And uh, I walked into the circle of about seven or eight cops and said, can I pray with you? And every single one of them dropped their arms, bowed their heads. Yes. They didn't say yes, yes, but their physical posture said, we need God and we know that the way we can receive God is through prayer. Yes. Powerful day. Well, I remember walking back to our car, asking you, do you, do, do you miss being a cop? Mm-hmm. Do you miss these times when, when you want to go get the bad guys? And I, and I remember yeah. saying to you, I, I want to get the bad guys. I mean, um, but j- just a powerful day. Um, both of us have done CPE, clinical pastoral education, and, and I, I think the world should do it because it, it <laughs> forces you to step into situations and circumstances that are way above your head. And uh, 
you know, my last two years at seminary, I, I got the, um, uh, the gift of, of being a chaplain in, in a hospital. And, and I, I remember distinctly one time I, I stepped into a situation. Uh, this was back in the pager days. My pager would go off and I would step into some some trauma, if you will. And I remember stepping into this one situation, kind of assessing the family that a loved one, a dad um, was close to dying. And I forget the circumstances, but I remember this one guy, he, he looked like a biker, tough tattoos, tough, tough guy. And I'm thinking, man, the last thing is he'll want me to pray with him. Um, but as we we're talking over the course of some time, he comes to me, grabs my hand and says, will you pray, pray for me? Because I don't have the words right now. He grabbed my hand as we prayed, crushed it, and we prayed together. Um, there, there are times, and, and, and there's the scripture in Romans, and I've got it here, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray sometimes, but the Spirit helps him, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. He only had groans. He wanted me to be the words, to speak the words of the prayer. And I know you've been in situations like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but ju- just the power of prayer. Um, I think you don't need to know, uh, p- people say that you don't need to know what, uh, what, what to pray. You just, the, the, Romans says that when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit prays for yes, us. Yes, yes. Yes. Can we get to the breaking of bread? Go, go, go yeah. for it. So uh, the breaking of bread, I remember as a kid growing up in the Christian church movement, this was sort of a natural part of how we understood Scripture. Uh, but uh, I would meet friends later in life who thought that breaking of bread was just having, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers. And the breaking of bread is actually a phrase that the New Testament uses to reference the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion or the Eucharist. Uh, matter of fact, those are the four major terms that are used to talk about uh, communion. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, and breaking of bread. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the beautiful thing about this text is that the breaking of bread is exemplified. It's descriptive of how the first century church was living its life together, that they were celebrating the Lord's Supper each time that they gathered. By the, as a matter of fact, by the time Acts 20, verse 7 rolls around, Uh, Paul is out traveling, he's in Troas, and uh, the text says, um, and on the first day of the week, that is Sunday, the Lord's Day, so we have that model in Scripture as well, when we met to break bread, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. What's really powerful about the breaking of bread uh, is how Luke sets it in context. All four of these things, actually. If you look at uh, Acts 2, 46, and day by day, attending temple together, and breaking bread in their homes. This is uh, this this sets the context, I think, in the Christian church movement of which we're a part. Uh, you know, the pastors and the elders generally celebrate at the Lord's table, uh, offer the prayers, and, and distribute uh, with the deacons the, the the Lord's supper. But in our movement, it's not our office or our ordination that makes communion valid. It's our baptism, which means. If you're a Christian, if you're a baptized believer, you have the authority to break bread. Uh, This is what we see in in the New Testament and what we see in the church. And uh, what what is overwhelming, I think, is that phrase, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Now, we've done a really good job in contemporary Christianity, that that first part, attending temple together. In many ways, this place is is our temple. It's just like for the Jews, the temple was a place that uh, uh, informed their identity. It was a place to gather. It governed their their celebratory of life, you know, transitions, marriages, babies, etc. This place has been that. This is where we have 
come for funerals. It's where we've come for weddings. It's where we received the Lord's Supper as a whole church, where we were baptized. It's where we were, were taught the faith. It's our children have run and played in these halls. It's where we it, have fellowship. It's where we have fellowship. Yes. It's where we have our church suppers. Everybody knows church suppers are a wonderful thing. <laughs> yes. But we haven't been as good at the in our homes part. Yes. And I wonder if this is a time that God is leading us to. You know, I said earlier, we may not be able to gather together as a whole church, you know, our full church, for 10 to 24 months. Pastor Joe hates it when I use that 24. But that's what we're being told. Maybe this is the moment that God has been leading us to, to reclaim this aspect of our faith. That what you're doing right now in your homes is a part of what the first century church did right here in the book of Acts. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, that South Suburban Christian Church could be the temple in our life where our identity is formed. And maybe you could be people who are being church together in your neighborhoods, to your neighbors. That you're offering your house as a place to gather for somebody that you may have lived next to for years just a few yards from your place. And you guys can share life together. You can fellowship. You can pray. Yes. You can break bread together. What would it look like if we thought about church for the next two years along those lines? As we're able, we'll gather here at the temple. But we want you to break bread in your homes with joy and gladness. We want, you to, we, we want to be able to resource you to call people into relationship with one another and in relationship with God through Christ by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if we could share bread together, break bread together in our homes? What would it look like if we took this biblical heritage and in this time, in this season, reformulated how the church acted then and how the church can be today? What would it look like if you could start your own church, your own house, your own house gathering, your own neighborhood fellowship, wherever you are, any street, Littleton, Colorado, Parker, Highlands Ranch, Centennial. You know what happened when the first century church did this? It's right there at the end of the text that we read to you today. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We pray for you as you do church in your house, as you call together people in relationship with you, with one another, and most importantly, with God through Christ. Yes. God bless you as God deploys you where you are for His glory and to support a world in desperate need to hear of God's love through Christ. Now, we want to show you how easy it is that you don't need a communion table or a sanctuary or any fine uh, cloths to cover it. That's idolatry. What makes this important is the community gathered, our prayers and the elements of the bread and the fruit of the vine. So Pastor Joe and I are going to share the Lord's Supper with you today. We're going to break bread together with you today. And so I give to you as it was given to me. That on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread. And after he had given thanks for it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, Jesus took the cup. Again, after giving thanks and praise, he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Take and drink. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. My blood will be shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. As long as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim Christ's death and resurrection. I pray this over our whole congregation today, and I ask you right now to take a piece of the bread, take a sip of the cup, and have communion together. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Receive them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Will you pray with us? Merciful God, pour your spirit out upon this bread of heaven and this cup of salvation, that together in our homes, as we break bread, your spirit would strengthen and encourage us to take with us the good news of Jesus Christ, the comfort, the consolation, the fellowship, the prayer, and the apostles' teachings, that the world might know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's pray the Lord's Prayer together again, if we could. Our, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you guys.